Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Hey, happy anniversary. Oh yeah, it's our anniversary show. It is. One year. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's, it really flew by. It did, I think. Oh. Yeah. So I really just want to take this time to thank all of our listeners who have supported our show, who have subscribed, who have left us really nice comments and reviews and uh, sweet emails and participated in our Facebook group. And even if you didn't uh, comment on anything and you just listened to our show, thank you so much. Right. Thank you. We're like overwhelmed by the listeners like it's really gone up in this year to like beyond what we thought so that's great yeah I mean the number number of listeners right I'm really um humbled by it I guess I I'm (laughs) it sounds like an Oscar speech I'm I'm I am though I am surprised in a good way that we have gotten the response that we've gotten for our show right it's great it's been really fun I love doing this show so we can't wait to keep churning out more. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. And with that, I will thank our Patreon contributors for the week. Okay. This week, we had Andrew, Tony, Ashley, Andrew, Edelweiss, Khalifa, Aaron, Holly, Courtney, and Nathan. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. Do you have anything else you want to say up top? I do not. I don't think so. Okay. I felt like I had something, but it's not worth it, clearly. Okay. <laughs> well, I just realized in this moment I didn't even watch the Phil Spector movie. Oh, I've seen it. Because I was up to my fucking eyeballs in research this week. So, whoops. I'll watch it this week and we can talk about it on the Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's really necessary no. to have seen it. No, I know. I just wanted to make fun of Al Pacino with you. Uh, Yeah. It's pretty... It's a pretty great biopic. Yeah. I mean, he's insane. And I love... I don't even know if Al Pacino is not not insane anymore. All of his performances are really over the top, especially... I mean, Paterno. Oh, uh, my God. And then the Spectre one. And then what was the other one? Oh, Kevorkian. I mean, (laughs) come on. It's like the best trilogy ever. I love watching Al Pacino go apeshit on on screen. I adore it. The Spectre one, I actually just watched... The first part of it, like when I was falling asleep, I put something on yeah. and I put that on. Uh, so I just saw like the first, whatever, 30 minutes before I fell asleep. But <laughs> it was pretty crazy. You have to watch okay, it. Okay, I'll watch it this week. Okay. All right. So our story begins on December 26, 1940, when Phil Spector was born. He was born Harvey Philip Spector to Ben and Bertha Spector. His, uh, he grew up in a working class Jewish neighborhood to two Jewish immigrants. I can't believe his last name is really Specter. I just assumed it wasn't for some well, reason. Specter is actually a Russian Jewish name, Regina Specter. Right, but I didn't know that her name was real either. Well, her name is real, I believe, but it's spelled differently. Right, I know that with a K, right? Phil Specter's his family's name was spelled slightly differently, but they changed it to make it more American-y, American-y and uh-huh. less Jewishy, which is what my family did too. 
Well, a lot of people did. A lot of Jews yeah. did. Yeah. And non-Jews. A lot of people who just wanted to be more ang- anglic- right. anglicized. <laughs> I don't know sure. how to pronounce that. <laughs> it's fine. So Ben Spector was a steel worker. And when Phil was eight years old, his father committed suicide. Obviously, this would affect him in a pretty major way, as right. I think it would any person who's who has a parent who has committed suicide before it's it's a pretty awful traumatic thing to go through uh clearly not everyone handles it the same way that phil specter has historically handled uh disappointments (laughs) and trauma in his life (laughs) as we will see in this story so after his father's death phil and his mother moved to los angeles and this is where phil found solace in music. He was a really awkward, shy, gangly, small, scrawny kid. And he, he, music was like his escape. Right. Like a lot of people, but like music, he was really good at it. He was like, it was something that gave him self-esteem. Absolutely. Was he playing music at this time or just listening? He was given a guitar for his bar mitzvah and he started you know, in high school, he joined bands and he would play around town with his bands. He joined the music club at Fairfax High School, which is in West Hollywood. And uh, he just fell into the music scene and he was he was playing like jazzy stuff right. and rock and roll, but mm-hmm. uh, around town. And he was the phenom like he was just born with a gift for music. Um, Although he was playing jazz music at this time, he was really into Wagner, of all people. Oh, interesting. Wagner being famous for being the composer du jour of Hitler Hitler and Nazis in general during that time. So I did find that a little ironic, but it made sense in terms of Wagner's music, why Phil Spector maybe was influenced by that. He was influenced by the music itself, because of its grandiosity. Right. And Phil would later implement that sort of musical style into his famous wall of sound. Right. Aesthetic that he he's famous for. Well, and and just because the Nazis liked Wagner doesn't mean you can't like Wagner. You you can like Wagner, yeah. but but you but you but you say Wagner, you think Nazis. I guess, but it doesn't really, I mean, he is also like one of the all-time great classical composers. It's not like he's just known for that. No, he's not just yeah. known for that. I'm That's just, what I mean. Like, Right. Yeah. It's sort of like a joke, like, right. oh, Wagner, Nazis. Like, right. there was a great Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that involved Wagner. Oh, I, I mean, think, I probably saw it. I think I Larry remember. got into him or something right. in that episode. It was really funny. So Phil and his buddies from high school, they formed a rock band called the Teddy Bears. And in... <laughs> Sorry. Look, band names were fucking stupid in the 50s. I mean, that's pretty stupid. That's really stupid. Mm-hmm. And they weren't around for that long. But I'm just saying, to be fair, there was a lot of fucking stupid <laughs> they weren't band the only names. Ones. They weren't the only ones, but it is pretty fucking stupid. It's like you were running, they were running out of bugs and animals, right? <laughs> They're all like bugs and animals. The turtles. That's like, even, yeah. that's like the sixties, but still that's horrible. I mean, honestly, when you say the turtles, it makes me feel like, well, the teddy bears are a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. The turtles. I just feel like it's like so low effort to come up with a name. I guess. Yeah. I know. I'm saying it's a bad thing. It's like they didn't put any thought into it. I wonder if they just didn't need to. Now it's like a little overthought, maybe the well, opposite. It- 
the opposite? I mean, well, I would we, imagine it'd be very difficult to come up with a band name. Because they're all taken. Well, they're all taken, but you want to sound like not like you're trying too hard. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> yes. What is the stupidest band name, you think? Like, what is a band name where you're like, that is a fucking dumb band name? Well, I will tell you that I like this one band, and their name is so stupid. Like, I'm embarrassed. That's the worst. I'm embarrassed to even say. When I try to tell people, like, if they're like, oh, do you have any new music you're listening to? It's like... Well, I really like this band, but don't judge them by that. Right. And it's called Car Seat Headrest. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. It's so dumb. I don't even know, like, what the origin of it or what the... Like, there could be some meaning. Like, there's always something like, oh, that's the line from a Bukowski. Like, <laughs> there's always some dumb meaning but for that, that person. But that is so... But it's like, it doesn't... If it doesn't sound good on its own, I don't fucking care what the meaning is. Right. Like, right. So yeah, that would be, like, what about you? Um... I think the babies is dumb, which is that John Waite band oh, yeah. from the seventies. They're not that big. That was just the first thing that came to mind. The babies. <laughs> I mean, and it's spelled B A B Y S. That's irritating. Like it isn't I E. Yeah. I think that's dumb. I think um, there was a lot of really dumb ones in the eighties. I think Scritty Politty is a horrible band oh, name. Right. That is bad. They're not even, I'm thinking of all these like obscure band names right now, but like there are dumb, like flock of seagulls. Come I on. think that's funny. That's <laughs> it's, why? Stup- it's horrible. It's horrible. But maybe because it's so over the top that it's like, well, it's like, I don't even think about it now. I, I don't I either just say it, but it, if it's, you think about it, it's like, well, that is weird. Like, what does that mean? You're right. That is really fucking dumb. <laughs> Um, there, I like, this sucks. I'm going to think of some okay. as the show goes on, because like, this is something I do think about often. Okay. I just can't right now. Tell us your favorite dumb band names on our Facebook group. <laughs> Cause there are a lot. There's a lot. Okay. So in 1958, the teddy bears released their first single to know him is to love him. And this song was inspired by an inscription on Phil Spector's dad's headstone to know him is to love him. I think I know the song. I mean, it's famous, right? Yeah, it was a hit single. It actually went to number one on the Billboard charts. So Phil, his first band, like, they're a huge fucking success. Yeah. And he's 18 or 17 at this point. Uh, The group broke up the following year in 1959. And this is because Phil wanted more. He wanted to do bigger and better things. He wanted control over the music he was making. So he moved to New York and he decided he was going to dedicate his time to producing and writing music. In 1960, he married singer Annette Marar, who sang in his band, The Spectre Three. And he was only 20 and writing and producing all of these hit songs, including Ben E. King's Spanish Harlem, which is a song that he co-wrote. And he also produced Ray Peterson's 1961 song, Karina, Karina. Oh, wow. I mean, just from the gate, he's These are like all-time classic hits. Absolutely. In 1961, Phil Spector and Lester Sill founded a record company called Phillies Records. Phillies Records signed The Crystals, famous for hits He's a Rebel, Da Do Ron Ron, and Then He Kissed Me, which every, look, not to sound like a cliche, but in Goodfellas, the Then He Kissed Me scene with that really long-ass tracking shot that film guys jizz their pants over. Right. It is a really great scene. Yeah. I'll give them that. It's not <laughs> overrated. No. For me, I just don't usually care about long tracking shots. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> no, but that, but like the long tracking shot is like something that film guys always... No, I know. But jizz. whenever they talk to me about that, I'm like, oh, is that hard? <laughs> 
like I don't know the difficulty of it. Right. So to me, it's like it's like animation things where I'm like, I don't even know. Like, was that harder than a Bugs Bunny cartoon? I have no idea. I'll tell you a, the greatest. It seems harder to draw it all. The greatest long tracking shot was True Detective season one. It was oh, like right. episode five, and it was like. 10 minutes long and it was just a continuous take it wasn't a tracking shot it was a continuous take it was a continuous take. it was a continuous no, i remember take. that and it was insane because it was like matthew mcconaughey shooting up the place and it was like this whole fucking involved but would it have thing. been less if it cut once <laughs> <laughs> that's what i don't get desi the long continuous shot adds to the urgency of a scene okay i don't know correct me if I'm i wrong. need to see it both ways to okay judge. okay <laughs> So Phil became known for his wall of sound, which, like I said before, was inspired by the grandiosity of Wagner. The wall of sound was revolutionary at the time in popular music. It featured strings, horns, guitars, and percussion. And the wall of sound, just that sound of those girl groups and those R&B songs of the day, it's so known now. But if you think about it, nothing else sounded like that at the time. It was absolutely revolutionary, and people loved it. They absolutely loved it. In 1963, Phil signed the Ronettes, on, and on July 5th of that year, their single, Be My Baby, dropped, and it was a hit. I love the Ronettes. Yeah, and that's a great song. I grew up on... <clears throat> I was excited to do this episode because I was like, oh, I grew up on these girl groups. My mom played them all the time. My mom was like the perfect age when these girl groups came out. She was a teenager in the 60s. And so I grew up hearing the Ronettes and the Crystals and uh, the Shangri-Las and like all of these girl groups of the time. Well, because a lot of them, especially like the Shangri-Las, I love because they're like bad girls. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. I love them. I love the aesthetic. I did love and still love Ronnie Spector. I think she's one of the most beautiful, sensual, like sexy women ever. Yeah. I adore her. And she still looks great and she still can sing her ass off. Like I was watching performances of her from like a year ago and she's still killing it. And she's like in her seventies. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to give a shout out to to girl groups from the sixties because I absolutely love them. Um, okay. So the Ronettes was Ronnie Bennett, her older sister Estelle, and their cousin Nidra Talley. Phil had a major boner for Ronnie, uh, who was like the lead singer, obviously. And Phil and Ronnie began began having an affair. Was he still married? Yes. Okay. In 1964, the Rolling Stones opened up for the Ronettes on their British tour. Phil tried to forbid the Stones from fraternizing with the Ronettes out of jealousy they're just hooking up at this point, Ronnie and Phil Spector. So now he's already starting to control her. They're not even having sex. They're just like flirting and kissing and stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And he is like, no, 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 that's my girl. Right. I don't want her hanging out with these like up and coming rock stars. Seriously. Would you want your girlfriend around Mick Jagger? <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, if my girlfriend managed to fuck Mick Jagger, I'd be like, congratulations. Well, if you were a jealous type, you would. If I was a jealous type, no. no. <laughs> uh, that would be awful. I'd be like, hook me up. <laughs> they all... <laughs> it's uh, The Ronettes spent a lot of time with the Beatles while they were in England. They became good friends with oh, okay. them. Uh, John Lennon asked the Ronettes um, 
Oh, I'll get to that in a second. So they spent a lot of time with the Beatles and Ronnie Spector. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call her Ronnie Spector during the show, even though at this point she's still Ronnie Bennett. Ronnie got really close with John Lennon. They took a liking to each other and they stayed up all night, one night talking and she ended up kissing him and they tumble down onto the bed and she's like, no, I can't. I have this guy at home. I want to save myself. And like, I feel bad cheating on him or whatever even though he's married she doesn't know this at the time that he's married she doesn't know he's married no and i was gonna wait for the twist to have that be a twist but she doesn't know oh she's saving herself for phil specter and she thinks that it's this great blossoming romance that's happening back in the states she's just taking it slow yeah, she's, I assume she was only kissing him because it was like, oh, you're married. No, it's like, no, she's a good girl and she's taking it slow and she wants to and she's a you know a woman who loves to love and she's very romantic and yeah. she's like has this fantasy in her head. And well, so she's young, too, probably. At this point. Yeah, yeah, she was 20 years old. Yeah. So John Lennon is like, you know. I love you. I don't know. How do you do it? <laughs> Is that good? I don't know. <laughs> but he's like really into her. He thinks she's like the fucking tops. Yeah. Like he just wants to be around her all the time. He thinks that she's super talented. But he is uh, respectful of her according to Ronnie that she was like, no, we can't and have sex. Off, yeah. yeah. But he was like, I still want to hang out with you. And John Lennon then asked the Ronettes if they wanted to fly back to the States with them on their jet as they were about to begin their famed first American tour and Beatlemania was about Mm -hmm. to start. Phil forbade this. He was like, oh, no, you're not flying back on a jet with them. You can't go back with them. I got your own tickets. You got to go in your own plane. Yeah. And the Ronettes, they were pissed. And Ronnie Spector, I I read – Ronnie's book actually I want to give a shout out to the book just give me a second to find it so the book that I read was written by Ronnie Spector it's called be my baby how I survived mascara miniskirts and madness or my life as a fabulous Ronette it was a great book I recommend it and I will tell you some stories from that book of her life because I found it pretty fascinating there's a lot of really good stories about uh, different musicians and such that they hung out with back in the day. So Ronnie said that she was watching the Beatles playing land. There's that famed shot of the Beatles right. getting off of the plane, the doors opening, they're walking down the steps, and there are fans screaming, American yeah. Girl fans. Yeah, we've all seen that. We've all yeah. seen that footage before. And she's watching this because it's on the news. And who walks out behind the Beatles but Phil fucking Spector? Oh. That motherfucker got on the plane with them. So did he fly to London? He did fly to London before to be like, hey, how are my girls? And then he flew back with the fucking Beatles after he forbade the Ronettes. So they could have been on the plane with him and he yeah. could have watched them if that was really his concern. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Perfect. And Ronnie was heartbroken about that. And she felt it was like, oh, that is so unfair, you know? Right. And they could have gotten a lot of good press. Instead, it was like Phil had the spotlight. Red flags. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Although Phil began exhibiting controlling and jealous behavior with Ronnie, the two were falling in love. Ronnie lost her virginity to Phil in June of 1964 while listening to the first pressing of the Ronette song, Do I Love You, which is a great song. Ronnie said Phil was really good at fucking, although what she gave the caveat that it was her first time and the first person that she had had sex with. So she did say, like, at the time, I thought this was the best sex of her life. I'm like, well, it's the only sex of your life. 
Did she continue to think that throughout, though? She never mentioned it okay. again. But in this particular chapter, when she's like a 21-year-old girl. She's like, this is the best sex of my life. Right. And it's this whirlwind. <laughs> and her career is at its peak. Yeah. You know, so they, everything combined. Yeah. And they were fucking all the time. Like, they, would, they were always going to hotel rooms and stuff. And Phil's hair started falling out at this time. How old is he? Uh, 24. So he is not that much older than her. No, uh-huh. not at all. His hair starts falling out and <laughs> sorry, he was so insecure about it. Well, I mean, if you're in your twenties and your hair's falling out, that that's makes pretty sense. unusual. Yeah. I mean, it happens like it happens, but I can see why you'd oh, be self-conscious. About I think it. guys in their forties, their hair falls out. They don't exactly. like it. Well, I mean, guys of any age, <laughs> I don't think really like it. Yeah, I, I don't blame them. But in their 20s, yeah. Yeah, so he was really self-conscious about this. And this is around the time he started to wear a toupee. And she thought it was silly. And she would give him shit about his toupee. Like, she didn't care that he was going bald or that he was yes. losing his hair. But, and so she would rib him about it. And he fucking hated it so much. One time... Sonny Bono took the Ronettes out to lunch, and when they got back to the studio to record, Phil had destroyed everything in the studio. He threw a fucking hissy fit because the girls went out to lunch with Sonny Bono. He's taken their girls out for a good time. Not even like dinner. It's like lunch. Yeah. Nothing's happening at lunch. (laughs) (laughs) So... He uh, he also flipped out when Ronnie would hang out with her girlfriends, too. He didn't want her to have a life of her own or other people that she wow. looked up to or could confide in. He wanted her completely all to himself. It's almost like he has a controlling, abusive personality. <laughs> almost, Desi. <laughs> there was this one time when she went out dancing with Cher and Darlene Love. Darlene Love's yes. the, from the Crystals. And they're out dancing in West Hollywood one night, having a good time. And Ronnie's like letting loose. She's 21 years old. And Phil fucking tracked her down, entered the club, dragged Ronnie off the dance floor. Like, get you can't be out dancing. He loves me. <laughs> Basically. Like a lot of abusive men, Phil had intense mood swings. He would flip out on Ronnie one day and then shower her with love and affection and romance the mm. next. And like we've talked about before on the show, you're always sort of chasing that that high of the times that they were nice yes. to you. Yes, Very classic. I can relate to it a lot personally Definitely. in my younger days. Phil was a dick to his mom too. <gasps> surprise, surprise. This story horrified me. It shook me to my core. I'm excited. (laughs) So uh, Phil's mom would drop by the studio often to bring him soup. And one time he locked her out of the studio when she was there. Like, I'm not here. You know, she can't come in. She can't come in. And she's waiting outside with the soup. And he's bitching in the studio like, I'm a grown ass man. I'm a millionaire. My, My mom's bringing me soup. What is this? Look, what kind of soup? <laughs> That's what I need to know. <laughs> like, if it's matzo ball canters, then I can understand his anger. No, it was homemade soup. <laughs> oh, yum. If a Jewish woman brings you soup, you take the soup. Or at least let them leave it at the desk. <laughs> that soup is infused with generations of resilience in the face of genocide. You take the Jewish mom soup. You yeah. always take the Jewish mom soup. I was offended by that as someone whose mother makes fabulous soup. It's pretty bad. It was bad. 
I just get nervous now when you're like, this offended me to my core. I feel like it's going to be a schmegma story. And I was like, not, not with him and his mom, please. Rachel. No. no, I'm saying that this like was yeah. like so yeah. rude. It's very rude. Um, and his mom, yeah, his mom was overbearing and stuff. Well, whatever. Her husband committed suicide. Yeah. I mean, she was very protective of him. So Darlene Love was in the studio with Ronnie one day and, um, I think it actually was the soup day. Darlene was there. And Ronnie was like, oh, isn't it cute? His mom gave him soup. And it's like if Ronnie's at that stage where everything Phil does is fucking adorable to her. Yes. And she can excuse away everything. And she's like, isn't he adorable, Darlene? Isn't he the best? And Darlene is like, I guess, you know? And Ronnie's like, look, I'm going to marry this man. And Darlene was like, girl, he is married. <laughs> And Ronnie had no idea that he was married. That's insane. He kept this private. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, who is this woman? Who is this woman? Also, his wife was a singer, too. Well, right? she was just a singer in his band. I see. So she, she didn't do it really outside of the what she did with him. No. And Ronnie was asking Darlene, who the fuck is this woman? And she's like, look... I don't know because no one's ever met her before. No one's ever really met oh, her. Okay. Like, I don't know. I know her name's Annette, but I don't know what her fucking deal is. Like, she lives in his penthouse yeah. and just stays there. And Ronnie was like, oh, those shoes weren't from his cousin. She's putting things together. She what? She <laughs> said she was like, I knew those shoes, those women's shoes in the hallway. They couldn't have been from a cousin who was staying with him. Like, yeah, I mean, but whatever. When you're like in the situation Ronnie's in, you believe any fucking bullshit they tell you. Also, there is a part of most people, I think, where you never think it's the most insane thing. No. Like, you would never think he's married and not telling me. Right. Like, at least, like, that might not come up immediately, but you'd think after a long term, he'd be like, hey, by the way. <laughs> right. I'm it's married. It's now. I should have said something sooner. But that's also very indicative of, a, of an abusive asshole. They oh. don't feel, they feel like they can get away with anything. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. And Ronnie was heartbroken, and she told a story about how she immediately, you know, went to the bathroom and threw up, because it's like... I would throw up in that situation. Yeah. Like it would be horrifying. And, but she's she like, I could have fucked John Lennon. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> right. She could have fucked the stones. Like, uh, so like Ronnie though, was really afraid of losing her career if yes. she broke it off with him. Yeah. And she wanted to sort of ride it out and just be like, I need to just not confront him, not confront him. I need to suck it up. I need to pretend that this isn't happening. And she, pretended it wasn't happening so well that she kind of forgot about it and mm -hmm. just suppressed it yeah. that he was married and just was like everything is the same it's the same it's fine I have my career going it's gonna be okay but by 1965 the Ronette star was fading and Phil was essentially responsible for that here's more tales of how much of a piece of shit he is he didn't want Ronnie to get too big because if she gets too big she makes too much money she's too independent she won't need him. She won't need him anymore. She, you know. She'll start working with other big producers. Right. Yeah. He doesn't want her to work with anybody else. He doesn't want her to go on these tours. I mean, she wanted to go on tour, like bigger tours with other people. And he's like, no, you can't do that. He, she wasn't allowed to go on Dick Clark's Caravan of Stars tour. So they had to have a replacement, like her other cousin 
Elaine filled oh. in for her on Dick oh. Caravan's. Right. So they went without her. Yes. Oh my because God, Phil was insane. like, "You need to work. You need to work." That's and he crazy. would like fucking come up with all these dumb reasons why he couldn't. She couldn't do shit, and she was young, and like this guy made me, and like I got to do what he says. He's my producer, you know. So, Chapel of Love. Everyone knows that song, Chapel of Love. Yes. That was originally for the Ronettes. The okay. Ronettes actually recorded a version of the Chapel of Love, but the single went to the Dixie Cups because Phil found some imaginary thing wrong with the Ronettes version of it. So he's like, it can't be released. Oh. So, so then they wouldn't re-record it? No. He, he, so it was an ulterior, it wasn't really the reason. No, he knew it was going to be a fucking hit and it was a hit. So yeah. it went to the Dixie Cups. And at this point, Ronnie and Phil, they moved into a mansion together in Beverly Hills. And that placated her for a little bit. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, okay, he's serious. Like, yes. We're getting a house together. We're living together now in Beverly Hills in this huge house. She's like into stardom and wealth and fame. And and it's like, it's wild. You know, her wildest dreams are coming true. But Phil was not just controlling with Ronnie. He was controlling as a producer as well. If a song wasn't exactly perfect as he'd want it, it would not get released. Like, like I said, he would come up with these imaginary reasons like, it's not, I hear something. You don't hear that? You don't hear that? That's yeah. wrong. Something's wrong. Like, it's fine. Everyone's it's like, like, this is amazing. And he hears some weird thing that no one else. It's like a person who's having a mental, like, detached from reality or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was like a over-the-top control freak with everything. Um, he produced the song River Deep Mountain High which everyone knows that. by yeah. Tina Turner it's an all-time classic it's like one of the most famous songs I would argue yeah. everyone knows that song um it's been used in countless movies over the years and everyone knows that song but and Erasure covered it <laughs> did they yes I love Erasure yeah I love Erasure so that song was released in 1966 and when it came out it was a flop which I didn't really I, I didn't, didn't know, know that. that it was a total flop and that devastated Phil. Uh, he was like, fuck this, I'm, I quit. Like, wow. I'm done. Just because this one song, it's like up until this point, I mean, maybe that's why he was so warped about his... He just had hit after hit after hit. Everything he produced was a hit. And then in 1966, no one gave a shit about this song. They didn't like it. Um, and he got really depressed. And this is basically what caused him to retire. The song, of course, would later, I think in the 70s, it started picking up. Like, people liked the song and uh-huh. rediscovered it. it. Yeah. Right. So it became a huge hit. Annette and Phil quietly got divorced around this time. And the Ronettes were asked to go on tour with the Beatles in 1966. But Phil guilted Ronnie into not going. Even though she was like, this is the biggest thing for my career. And like I said, like their star was kind of... Starting, falling. it was falling at this point. So it would have been a great boost. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were going to... John's like, still trying to get it. <laughs> Dude, he was like stoked. He's like, yeah, we're going to go on tour with the Ronettes. So Phil, again, gave his excuse. You need to be in the studio working. You can't be gallivanting around. What's going to get you... He's like, what's going to get you success going on tour for the with the Beatles or being in the studio making hits? Uh... <laughs> How about both? <laughs> right. Why not both, Gif? <laughs> like, this is P. 
peak Beatlemania. Like, yeah, I mean, come on. Jesus. They're like the biggest band in the world at this point. Yeah. And he just did mental gymnastics. To, to make her think it was not a good call. Yeah, and it worked because she was like, you're right, you're right. Yeah. yeah, okay, you know. So the Ronettes did go on tour, but again, they had Elaine fill in for Ronnie. How is that even an option? I have no That's idea. That's what I think is insane. Well, it's like, I'm sure Elaine was great, but like Ronettes, right. Ronnie is so... The name of the band is Ronettes. She's so iconic. It's something that happens, like, I feel like when those doo-wop bands or girl groups go on tour now, it's none of the original members, but they're still called whatever, the Dixie Cups or the Shangri-Las, right. even though it's like all different people. Which I, those women, even though they're all great in their own right, Ronnie... Spectre is so like that's a household name I feel like yes I mean very few of those girl groups you would know the individual members there's right. a few where the lead singer was sort of the star like Diana Ross like Diana Ross yeah right so I I found that so odd of course John was devastated Aww. John was devastated that she couldn't be there and the Beatles you know the rest of the group they were bummed they're like it's it's Ronnie she's iconic and John was like so bummed out he he was like so in love with her basically mm-hmm. at this point. And he just thought like her voice, like her voice just did something to him, mm-hmm. you know. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. 
In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash H-C-S. Over dinner one night with Ronnie's mom, Ronnie, Ronnie's mom, Ronnie and Phil, they all had dinner one night. Ronnie's mom was talking about how John Lennon just loved Ronnie's voice and how on tour he had gone on and on about how he wished that she was there. And Phil is like has steam coming out of his ears because mm-hmm. like he can- toupee popped up. <laughs> 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 and he threw a napkin down and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, God damn it. You know, like he was enraged. He was like, he couldn't handle it that not only was she getting praise from some guy, but John Lennon specifically yes. was giving her praise and that the mom was like, oh, and John missed you and everyone missed you there. Yeah. And um, by August of 1966, Phil was depressed over the failure still of River Deep Mountain High. And also he was pretty depressed over the death of his friend, comedian Lenny Bruce, at one point, he hung a gigantic poster of him above him and Ronnie's bed. Wow. And it was a poster of Lenny Bruce towards the end of his life. His journey. <laughs> in which he was bloated and uh, bags under his eyes from yeah. alcoholism and drug addiction. Yeah. Because Ronnie, I mean, uh, Lenny Bruce died from an overdose. Mm-hmm. So he looked like shit. And it was this was like a more recent photo of him. So Ronnie was recalling being like terrified of sleeping under this gigantic poster of yeah, him which is odd. weird even if I it mean was... it's it, even if it was his hottest look <laughs> it would be weird right she was like Lenny's watching down on us right now it's weird like she just felt like there was like someone watching them yeah and it was like so bizarre and it's very weird and Phil at this point is just exhibiting all this like bizarre recluse behavior like he would lock himself up in his study and just mm. be there for the whole day he would only come out to eat and to sleep. Yeah. He's very like Howard Hughes phase. Totally. And Ronnie was bored. It was starting to get bored at this point, you know, cause she's not doing anything music wise. Really. Because she can, if he's not doing it. Yeah. So she's locked up in her mansion. Basically. Yeah. And Phil and Ronnie got married in 1968, but married life wasn't great for Ronnie either. She didn't improve their relationship. Well, yeah. I mean, And like you said, she was basically a prisoner in her own home and she turned to alcohol to get through the day because she was bored. Like she couldn't even be the housewife because they had maids. That's something that always fascinates me (laughs) when you're alone and bored and you drink (laughs) to like alleviate your boredom. (laughs) Like, what do you do, though? You're just drunk in your house. Yeah. By yourself. Well, I don't know what you did before the internet, before you could like go online and cause a scene. Well, I would just like watch TV all day. Well, that's what she did. She watched. But I didn't have to be drunk to do it. Like I did. But right. But I mean, I I guess I don't understand alcoholism, but I have heard that before. Like people turn to alcohol when they're bored, like a bored housewife. Yeah. Yeah, I did. But I feel like it's 
more than boredom, you're also usually in a bad situation. Right. And it's like Ronnie would wind up having alcoholism. Yes. So this made sense. This was her, you know. It was the way to get in to discover that. that right. It was yeah. her remedy. It was her medicine yeah. at this point. And yeah. she was like, oh, this is the solution. I could have used this. Because Ronnie was like not a drinker before. Yeah. She was not. She was definitely a good girl. She told this one story about like after Be My Baby came out, uh, her like idol, Frankie Lyman, came yeah. over to hang out and they had known each other from before a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. Frankie was like trying to get down her pants and he was like Whoa. at her house, wasted, shit faced. Like she poured him some drinks at the bar and she, she, he was getting shit faced and she's not drinking anything because she doesn't drink at this point. Yeah. But I just remember that that was the story and Frankie died in the sixties, like soon after pretty young of an overdose, overdose of yeah. a drug overdose. So, yeah, so she's just getting into drinking now at, like, age 28 at this point. Or, no, she's 25 at this point. She's 25. Okay, so she couldn't even, like I said, she couldn't even, you know, focus on, oh, I'm just going to keep busy by cleaning the house because Phil had housekeepers and maids and she would try and go into the house and make food for herself. And he'd be like, why are you making food? We have a chef. Yeah. Like he just like wouldn't let her do fucking anything that she wanted to do. And she wasn't even allowed to drive to the store unless she was accompanied by an inflatable doll that was made to look up like Phil Spector. (sighs) What? Yes. She would have to drive to the store with an inflatable doll in the passenger seat that looked like Phil Spector. That's insane. Yeah. I would love to see that doll though. I would too. (laughs) So to add to her struggles, she was unable to get pregnant and she really wanted to have kids and he wanted to have kids too. And she just felt like she couldn't do anything right at this point. And like her own body was against her at this point. Yeah. You know, she, that's how she felt. Phil also stopped calling Ronnie, Ronnie. He started calling her by her full name, Veronica, which is really just like the name on her birth certificate. She was always been Ronnie. Yeah. But he wanted to distance her from her star. He's separating her from everything, too. Everything he's yeah. isolating her from. It's like, you're not a star anymore. You're not you're Ronnie. My wife. You're my wife. You're not yeah. Ronnie Bennett anymore. You're, Ron- you're Veronica Spector yeah. at this point. Uh, Phil actually never laid a hand on Ronnie, but he was a master, clearly, at psychological abuse. And at 25, Ronnie's days were spent drinking Manischewitz and watching All My Children. I'm sorry. I mean, that does sound amazing. Here's why it's Manischewitz. <laughs> I thought this was so funny and sad why it was Manischewitz because she didn't know anything about alcohol. She only knew. So she ab- got this sweet wine. Because Phil, she had seen it once at Phil's house. Also, it's very sweet. So if you're not like a drinker, right. it's something that you could probably get down easily. Right. So she was drinking it. And Phil at one point, you know, started to see her getting wasted all the time and he was like you need to fucking cut it out and uh she one time drank everything in his bar and he flipped out and put a padlock on the bar so she's like going to the making runs to the stores with With her inflatable doll (laughs) yes and she's uh buying liquor she's buying manischewitz at the store and she would take the bottle home and hide it in the toilet tank Ooh, yeah really sad though really sad 
Uh, Ronnie and Phil adopted three children, Dante and two twins, Gary and Lewis. In 1972, early 1972, Ronnie did get sober. She went to AA, and going to meetings became her escape from Phil. So she was allowed to go to meetings. She was allowed to go to meetings, and she would just love being there. Like, she was hanging out with other alcoholics who were getting sober, and these were her people. These were people she could talk to, people she could trust, Uh, her, you know, her sense of she was actually gaining self like real self-esteem probably for yeah. the first time in her life. And she had a sponsor. So she was active. She was active in the program and she's really, you know, making a, a, a change in her life. And, uh, she became ready to leave Phil at that point. And her sponsor helped her with that emotionally. Like, here's what you got to do, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, you got to leave this guy. Here's how you do it. And, I'll help you every step of the way. So she's really lucky that she had that lifeline with her. Uh, Ronnie came home late one night from her AA meeting, and Phil was so pissed that she came home late that he locked her out of the house. Ronnie's mom had been staying with them at that point. So Ronnie went to, like, her mom's window and was like, let me in, you know? Phil Mm -hmm. locked me out. So she manages to get into the house and sneak in, and at some point... Phil comes downstairs and he's like, what the fuck? You know, like, fuck you. And there's like this brawl between the three of them, between Ron, like a yelling brawl, basically, of like Phil, Ronnie, and Ronnie's mom. And um, it should be noted that Phil had been, Phil would like hide Ronnie's shoes so that she couldn't escape at night. (laughs) Jesus. So she was barefoot. Oh, let me, let me read you this one part. Okay, so... They're like in this fight happening right now. And the mom says to Phil, like, because Phil was like threatening to kill Ronnie if she left. Like, if mm-hmm. you divorce me, I'll kill you. I know how to do it. I have people. I, I have the means to do it. I can do it. And you, you better not leave me. And uh, Ronnie's mom says to Phil, I'll tear that wig off your skinny little head. <laughs> Which I just thought was great. I love it. They did manage to escape. Uh, Ronnie literally ran out of the house barefoot. And but why didn't she have shoes? Because I thought she was outside already. Well, it was like, I guess they got into the fight after she had already gotten back into the house. So he took her shoes? Yeah. he oh. had, What had happened was he had grabbed her shoes during the argument. <laughs> Sorry. Because so he would do that anyway. So like he always she, just took her shoes. Right. That's so, so insane. Right. So he took her shoes so she couldn't leave. But she's like, I'm fucking leaving. Yeah. I don't care. You know, seriously. Um. Oh, another weird detail was that Phil had kept this glass top gold coffin, like the one in Snow White oh. in their house. And he was like, this is the coffin you're going to be buried in. And if you leave me, you'll be in that coffin because I can watch after you even after you're dead. Oh, so romantic. (laughs) He loves me. He loves me. That's love, right? So Ronnie did have a happy ending. She remarried in 1982, and she currently lives in Connecticut. That's good. Yeah, definitely good. All right. Well, let's get back to Phil. Phil got back in the studio in the 70s and was working as a producer for John Lennon, of all people. Right. That's what I was... I was wondering about that and with he, the long and winding road. Right. That's yeah. what he produced. And he also produced uh, George Harrison's record. He produced uh, My things. Sweet Lord. Okay. Right. Oh, and that's the one that was the ripoff of the Chiffon song, right? 
You're right. Yeah. You're right. It was. I didn't know he produced that. He did produce it. So now it. it makes more sense that it was so similar. Yeah. Because that's his thing. I didn't know he produced it either. And then I was like thinking about that song. Like, well, that is that song is very wall of soundy. Was there any conflict between him and John Lennon? I guess not. Yeah. Because that's weird that they had that history. I didn't know they had that history. Well, I knew that he produced that song. John didn't know that Phil Spector hated him. Oh, so John had no clue. Like, Ronnie never said anything. No, I don't Got think it. so. It wasn't so, like... But Phil... But I guess at that point, he was like, hell yeah, I'm working with the Beatles. Oh, I guess someone did think working for the Beatles or being <laughs> the Beatles would be good for their career. <laughs> right. What a fucking surprise. So... Uh, during a recording session in 1973 with John Lennon, Phil whipped out his gun and fired it at the fucking ceiling. Just for no reason. Just because he got frustrated. Oh. That's how he dealt with stuff. Phil became notorious for bringing guns into the so studio. So this gun thing is a new thing, though. Yeah. Because this is the first we're hearing about right. it. So he also um, was notorious for getting wasted during these sessions he would get drunk always on manischewitz and one time while he <laughs> that's so hilarious to me dude i haven't gotten drunk on i don't think i ever i have gotten drunk on manischewitz before but we never had it at our seders ever because it was so gross it's disgusting we I always mean, had I've like had good it. wine i feel like manischewitz is something you buy it's kind of like the canned cranberry sauce it's like oh let's get it but no one really wants it <laughs> it's right. just sort of like, oh, we have to. It's tradition. It's not even in the wine section. It's like in the kosher food section. Yeah. Like it's not. Is it even alcohol? It <laughs> it's is. Barely. It is. I I just never. I didn't grow up with it because we're like it's shitty I'm wine. I'm curious to taste it again now because I feel like I've had it. It's like something that you let your kids drink. It's like sure, have a little sip of it because it's so sweet. Yeah. I mean, I don't like sweet drinks, so I probably would be like, Ugh. right. I. I I don't, That's I don't hilarious. Know. Yeah, though. so but he was always drinking Manischewitz, and uh, he pulled a gun out on Leonard Cohen in the studio. Wow! So he has a bottle of Manischewitz in one hand and a gun in the other, and he puts the gun up to Leonard Cohen's throat, and he goes, "Leonard, I love you." Leonard goes, "I hope you do," <laughs> and he did not fire. I but mean, it's almost tough, but the Manischewitz <laughs> is hard to pull. I think so right. you can't really look like a badass. No, with a bottle of Manischewitz. <laughs> Manischewitz neutralizes the scariness of the gun almost. Right, and Leonard's like, uh, okay. okay. Imagine threatening Leonard Cohen, dude. What an I mean, asshole! He seems like he was the most mellow guy. <laughs> like there could right? be horror stories about him, but my impression of him is that he was a Buddhist and. Like, whatever. Uh, like, there aren't horror stories of him, are there? I mean, there could, there could be, be that I have no idea. I mean, and my impression I've, of him is that he's just a mellow Buddhist type. I mean, just based on his music, too. It's Leonard's very, a mensch. I'm going to go with Leonard Cohen as a mensch. Look, I don't want to hear the bad stories about Leonard Cohen. Phil Spector, putts. Leonard Cohen, yeah. mensch. That's that. Gavel. Jing, jing. Jing, jing. Okay. It's done. And with... The <laughs> 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 he also pulled a gun out on the Ramones. During oh. a session in 1979, he worked with the Ramones. Wow, that's really running the gamut. <laughs> I know. In 1974, Phil got into a horrendous car accident on Melrose. He flew through the windshield of his Rolls Royce and ended up getting 700 stitches in his head and face. Damn. And his hair was all done at that point. Like it was that that <laughs> set, that that ended his hair that day. It all the trauma made it all fall out. <laughs> it like burnt off. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's what it said. 
So, <laughs> sorry. And this is where his love of wigs began. I mean, knowing he's a horrible person, I can laugh at this. Uh, yeah, we can laugh at all this shit. So this is where his love of wigs began, and he starts just wearing wigs. And he... I mean, he's literally one of the all-time classic <laughs> wig wearers. He really I, It would be hard-pressed to find another person who really goes there with their looks. I mean, it's like... I'm trying to think of someone who would be equivalent. Well, I don't know a man who changes wig styles like that. Like women will wear different hairstyles, right, like a with Dolly wigs. Parton or something. But his, he's like the only man I've ever seen who wears wigs and just changes up the style all the it's time. It's like, like a RuPaul. Like he, that's how extreme his different looks. Right. Are. He's like, like today I want a shag. You know. <laughs> I mean, we, he, we have to post like we'll all post, of his wig pictures because we'll, they're hilarious. We'll post a retrospective. My of, favorite is the huge gray afro. <laughs> right. I mean, that one is insane. We'll get to it, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> we will. So fast forward to the 90s. Phil has become a recluse again. He's holed up in a mansion in Alhambra. This mansion he refers to as his castle. Yes. Uh, and it did look like a castle. On February 3rd, 2003... 40-year-old actress Lana Clarkson met Phil Spark... Sparkter. Phil Spector. <laughs> Sorry. Stay in your lane, Spector. <laughs> met Phil Spector while she was working as a hostess at the House of Blues. So Phil goes to the House of Blues. He goes upstairs to a restricted and area. And he's like a big guy I camp is there, I bet, right? Well, Lana didn't know who he was. And she goes, ma'am, ma'am, you, you can't go in there. Yes. And he got a massive boner from that. Well, she thought he was a little old lady with his fucking wig on. And so she, he was wearing a wig? Yes, oh, of God. course. And she's like, ma'am, ma'am, you can't go yeah. in there. And he turns around. He's like, I'm not ma'am, you know, and tell these. Tell, I'm Phil Spector. <laughs> tell these b- b- bitch who I am. Let me know. know where an appropriate moment for my Lana Clarkson story to come in would be. <laughs> Just tell it now. Okay. Um. I took like an improv class with someone who was in an acting class with Lana Clarkson. Wow. And look, I'm not going to disparage the dead, but this woman said that she was super irritating and that one day she like cornered her and had her look through her, all of her book of her, um, acting photos. Lana's acting photos. Yeah. Okay. So like all of the ones you would do for like, and here I am being a crazy nurse, (laughs) like, those right. type of like composite right. ones. Right. And she's like, I just sat there looking through all of this book and she's like, and here I am. Da, 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 da. And like, here's my cop. Like just like all these no self-awareness comedy photos that she had taken in this like book. That's like it. But I was just like, oh man, that's an embarrassing story. <laughs> like, Cause this is obviously after she was murdered right. uh, or killed or whatever. But like, uh yeah right it was just like oh so it's like i know exactly i know the type yeah i know the type where people think uh, everyone's interested to see my portraits i mean i spent hundreds of dollars on them (laughs) (laughs) like i don't even want to show my headshots to casting agents it's embarrassing i mean to have to take photos like that (laughs) it is i don't think people have to do that anymore but that was big back in that period yeah and here's me as a sailor like you can't imagine me as a character so i'm gonna present it to you (laughs) right (laughs) i could play it all (laughs) so phil was livid that she he did not was not recognized by this beautiful woman who was the hostess and the employee was like dude that's phil specter he's a vip like yeah. What the fuck? At the House of Blues. At the House of Blues of all places. <laughs> so 
Lana, Lana went above and beyond at that point to placate him and to be like, I'm. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. And she was also starstruck when she found out who he was. Lana Clarkson was a B-movie actress who is most known for her 1985 film Barbarian Queen. I've never heard of Barbarian Queen before. I've heard of She-Ra. It, <laughs> it sounds I looked like in at, that vein. It is. I looked at the poster for it, and it is very much like that 80s movie that people watch. Like, oh, the lead actress has big jugs. Yeah. And she was that type. Like, she played a lot of roles. She had, like, a very classic blonde bimbo kind of I mean yes I'm not in like bimbo in like a bad way but just like that Audrey Landers kind of bleach blonde like right. big eyes and like right. oh like very bu- busty she was very tall right. she was yeah she had like a classic beach blonde busty yeah you know they would always play the dumb Right. And she did a lot of those roles. And she was also in a 1996 film called Vice Girls as one of three sexy detectives on the hunt for a serial killer. Maybe she had a detective portrait. <laughs> and that's how she got or She that had role. a magnifying glass. She had like um, the Sherlock Holmes. That's what I'm saying. On and and the a magnifying, magnifying glass. <laughs> Like a tweed jacket right. with leather patches. But it was like a sexy crop tweed jacket. It was like, yeah, the the white shirt was tied underneath and her right. boobs, yeah. And her Come boobs with a big lace we can't, black bra. We got it. Yeah. We nailed it. So by January of 2003, she took a part-time job at the House of Blues on Sunset. Her acting career, she wasn't... She was in a dry spell. She was... Yeah. I mean, she only ever made So she kind of had movies. those B-movies... And then it dried up and now she's hostessing and yes. trying to audition. Or maybe yes. that's when she started taking improv. <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's possible. It is possible. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I'll try comedy. That could be my way in. Or my agent says I yeah. should do this to yeah, have yeah, this yeah. for my resume. This. Yeah. So Lana left the House of Blues with Phil in his limo around 2.30 a.m. and drove to his mansion in Alhambra. Is this the night they met? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had I had no idea that I was the they first knew night each they other. met. I thought they had at least hung out a few times at House of Blues or something. Right, me I didn't too. know that was the first this night. This was the first night they met. Damn. So Phil's limo driver, Andriano de Souza, waited outside while Lana and Phil went inside. Phil came back out to the car 10 minutes later to retrieve a briefcase he had left in the limo. An hour later, a gunshot rang out. According to limo driver Andriano... Phil stumbled out the back door and said, I think I killed someone. This is like out of a movie, like a bad movie. It's so ridiculous. Andriano called Phil's assistant, Michelle, and told her to come over right away that, you know, Phil did something. Then he called the police and reported that his boss had killed someone. Police arrived on the scene at 5 a.m. and they found Phil drunk, standing above the body of Lana Clarkson. She was found slumped over in a white chair with a single gunshot wound to the mouth. Her teeth were scattered about on the carpet below her. Lana still had her purse slung over her shoulder. Phil was arrested and taken to the Alhambra police station. During the interrogation, Phil is shit-faced, and I heard some of this audio from it. And he is going on a rant about Lana Clarkson. How dare that bitch shoot herself in my house? Honestly, I feel like... Al Pacino does this in the movie. I have a memory. So I, either I heard this tape or he does this. As over the top as Al Pacino is, I'm sure it's just, if not even less over the top as in real life, Phil Spector. Yeah. Like, because I heard the audio of it and he is like, 
he's not like, oh my God, this is horrible. This is awful. He, he's automatically blaming her. He's automatically like, why would this, how dare you come into my house and kill yourself? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if true, it is rude. <laughs> Look, it is rude, but that's not your reaction. No, I would Your never. first reaction. Like would, maybe down the line, you're like. Or like privately to my friends, like, fuck that <laughs> Like, I wouldn't do it in front of the police. No. And, like, especially initially after, I'd like... i text you later, like, you won't believe what this fucking bitch did. I would never do it in front of the police. I'd be so good. No. He was not. He was like, how dare she? What a bitch. Like, he's calling her a bitch. I remember this. So, the police searched Phil's home, and they found the gun used to kill Lana, which they found it in a drawer, the only drawer in his house that was open. They found the holster to the gun, and the gun... That matched that. Um, I, I guess the gun was in the drawer too. There was yeah. like a gun and a holster, and that was like the gun that matched the bullet. Uh huh. So they also found nine additional firearms in his house because he loved guns. He had a total gun fetish. A bloody cloth was found in the bathroom. Lana's blood was found on a door handle, a banister, and on one of Phil's jackets, which was found in an upstairs closet. There were no fingerprints found on the gun. Phil's bail was set at $1 million, which he easily made. And Phil and his assistant, Michelle, checked into the Bel Air Hotel where they stayed for over a week while the castle in Alhambra was being searched by police. Phil told Michelle that Lana's death was an accident. Phil then went on this press tour, basically, and was like, this was a suicide. She kissed the gun before she shot herself. Like, she wanted that, like... Mm -hmm. Da, da 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 I'm innocent. He's like ranting to the press. And uh, there were also these claims swirling around according to like people who were allegedly friends. I use quotation marks in that. Allegedly friends of, of Lana's. Lana's. They were like, oh yeah, I know she was really depressed. You know, her acting career wasn't going so well. So she yes. wanted to kill herself. But I was reading an article in Vanity Fair from someone who had was like close to the case. And they were like, that's bullshit. Like, yeah, I she mean, was, she was, you can be depressed and not be suicidal or be think, upset about your career or whatever. Right. So the LA coroner's office officially ruled Lana's death a homicide in September of 2003. On November 20th, 2003, Phil Spector was charged with murder. He pleaded not guilty. Phil was desperate to get his side of the story out to the media his assistant, Michelle, helped Phil set up a website, and in 2005, Phil starts posting a series of deranged rants on his website. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, in the videos, he's sitting in a chair dressed in a Hawaiian shirt with a puka shell necklace on and wearing a crazy, curly, frizzy wig. And he is <laughs> ranting. He's like, I'm innocent. What does a murderer need? M-O-T-I-V-E. Motive. What's my motive? Like, he's like, yeah. you know, she had motive to kill herself. Her career was in the toilet. And, like, just... Insane rant. Hours of rants. Honestly, like, in my opinion, he should have gone for accidental and not suicide if he was going to say it wasn't murder. Because I feel like that would be more believable. Right. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? I don't know why he didn't go for that. Like, we were fucking around with a gun right it just seems more believable to me that yeah. someone would go to someone's house and kill themselves the first night they met like right come on. it's really bizarre so the trial began april 2007 the defense pushed the suicide narrative and the prosecution was like uh no this guy did it he has a horrible history with women and with guns like yeah. we know he's threatened people with guns before 
He loves guns, and we know he's been historically shitty to women. And the defense painted this picture of Lana as this washed-up actress, someone who would sleep around, and someone who uh, was so depressed about her washed-up career that she wanted to take her own life. And during the course of the trial, Phil paraded into the courtroom wearing a variety of different wigs, as I'm sure you remember from yes. the news stories. It They're was- all so clearly in my mind. There was like the like the the long brown one that was kind of like there was like the blonde carol burnett kind of <laughs> yes, shag that one, one. that one's you know? amazing i love it's that it's like one. the brown carol burnett one it's amazing <laughs> right i mean these are all looks they're all looks <laughs> they're like hardcore looks they're not like this is a natural thing they're all like here i am it's a statement here's 1960s phil <laughs> here's afro here's jufro <laughs> yeah he is the jufro phil. i mean but it's even beyond a jufro i don't even know it's the jufro that electric socket it's the jufro and electric socket when you don't put product in your hair like it's like eight inches it's fucking tall. gigantic like yes our hair can get that big and crazy and frizzy and does but that's like he purposefully was like i'm not gonna put conditioner in my hair i don't know what that was i've never seen anyone with a something that big on there it's head. huge it's huge it's fucking gigantic and to walk into court like that is <laughs> insane to me well and it's funny because like now like that picture's so famous of him with that ridiculous wig now it's like you can't even tell which of the pictures that are photoshopped to make it even bigger <laughs> yeah the ones that are real because it was already big it was already huge but like so when, when you, you know when you're like, like is it real right when you yeah. google it and you're like you're it's like, like when was I see it a, that big. It's like when I see a photo of Trump where they made his hands even smaller, right. and I don't even know anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> or his suits are even bigger, right. or something. It's, it's just like, like just a or his little tie bit. is even longer. Like, right? You're like, wait, was it that big always? <laughs> like, I know it was comically big, but like, is this Photoshop? I can't tell anymore. So, there were five different women who dated Phil Spe- Phil Spector who testified on the stand that he was abusive and that he had threatened them with guns before and said, I have guns, you know, or even pulled them out. Yes. So it was looking pretty bad. The case was looking pretty bad against him, but the jury was deadlocked. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I have a vague memory of one juror. You do? Who was the problem on this case? The first one, right? Well, he made really good music. No, he was like taking notes and always like during the, um, deliberations i think he had a lot of questions like he was one of those type jurors he was like the ken bone of kind jurors. of yeah just because the first one was uh a mistrial right yes and i think that this one juror caused it well yeah on october 28th uh 2008 they had to begin the new trial yeah like this is over a year after the first trial began and it wasn't until April 13th, 2009, that Phil Spector was convicted of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 19 years in prison, and he will be eligible for parole when he's 88 years old. Didn't he get, like, married or something, too, to he a woman? He did get married <laughs> that to, like, a... That tw- insane. <laughs> ...named Rachel, goddammit. Uh, she's, like, 26 or something, or she was, like, really young. And she's really very young. Lana Clarkson, right? She's she got blonde hair. She looks very Lana Clarkson. Let me look this up really quick. I think her name is spelled fucking weird, too. I think maybe her name's... I just remember her talking to Phil the media a lot. Spectre. She kind of reminded me of that woman who was briefly going to marry Charles Manson. Totally. Like, oh. such an opportunist. Oh, they got divorced. Oh, they did? Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, she did look like Lana Clarkson. Yeah, Phil Spector has filed for divorce from his third wife of 10 years. When is this from? No. 10 years. Well, if they got married in the... Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so 76-year-old music producer married Rachel Short in 2006, just one month before he was charged with the murder of actress Lana Clarkson. Oh, this is... Look at this wig. What would you call this one? This is like the wet Steve Perry. It's greasy. Yeah. And then the best is his mug shot where he had no wig. And he's just completely bald. They did have like that little bit of hair He had like a flap of hair. Yeah, just like a little... And his eyes look like he's a deer caught in a headlight. Right, because he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, oh, shit. People are going to know. Dude, these wigs. Yeah, this girl really does look like Lana Clarkson. It's a very similar look. Just that like very golden blonde whatever bleach blonde rachel oh she was 30 well i guess she was 35 when this was written in 2016 so she was fucking young when they got married oh even if she was 35 it's she still, was still young. no i mean like yeah, really like, young she was in her 20s yeah that's gross uh it says i'm reading this from the daily mail sorry i know it's not like the greatest news source just the first thing that popped up rachel 35 year old waitress turned pilot has dropped three hundred fifty thousand dollars of her husband's money on a plane pictured according to tmz She's a pilot. She's a pilot. Uh, he filed He filed from divorce from behind bars. That's what the Daily Mirror, or that's what the Mirror says. Wow. That's insulting. Can you imagine if your husband divorced you while he was still in prison and he murdered someone? Yeah. That's like, so embarrassing. You should be so lucky. You know what? <laughs> oh, she must have been stealing or fucking up or something or cheating. Yeah. Because I feel like, come on. Dude, he is so unattractive. He's, oh, oh, look at this one picture of him. Ooh. That, <laughs> see, that's something that seems not real to me, too. Because he's like, he's so ugly. Sorry. Dude, this picture of him, he looks like the Crypt Keeper. It's fucking terrifying. We should post it. Yeah, we will post it. It's horrifying. Okay, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay, uh, bye. Happy anniversary. You too. Bye. bye. <laughs> 